The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Living a life of joy and peace begins with knowing all you need is right inside you all the time waiting to be revealed and shared welcome to timeshare living reality navigating the dream with your host marie jackson listen in as marie and her regular contributors guide you to realizing the perfection you already are now here is marie jackson welcome to timeshare on voice america's seventh wave i'm marie jackson a timeshare for many of us is a vacation spot a break from the routine, a place to go for a change of scene or a time out from the to-do list. Afterward, we return, feeling refreshed, energized, rested. The timeshare you just tuned into is a bit like that. You can take time out from your schedule, take a break and a breath, then go back to your day seeing things perhaps a bit differently, broader, bigger, deeper. Every Thursday from noon until 1 U.S. Eastern Time, my regular contributors and I discuss and explore the subject of metaphysical spirituality, which is a field of study, a philosophy, or a science, seeking to know life's essence beyond what we recognize as physical. Timeshare offers conversations to help deepen our comfort with questions, questions that bridge the gap between materialist science and ideology or faith, and you're invited to join in the conversation. Our intention is to make Timeshare a forum for practical applications of ancient and contemporary teachings, applications to help us understand life, each other, and how to live the happiness that is our birthright. Today, I am joined once again by my regular first and third Thursday contributor, holistic psychotherapist, Douglas Economy. Douglas uses the term holistic because he is licensed as such in Germany and, more importantly, because he believes all forms of genuine healing involve the whole being, and that our transformations arise from love, which is our true nature, our divine spirit reality within. Douglas works with a variety of modalities, including constellation therapy, relationship coaching, and accessing your essence, a process he developed. Our conversations center around A Course in Miracles and how we can apply its teachings to daily living. A Course in Miracles has been described as a psycho-spiritual self-study curriculum or thought system showing us the way to universal love and peace. It teaches that there are no sins to be forgiven, only perceptions to be corrected. This correction leads to atonement, which is the undoing of the ego's belief in separation from God, the source of all being or life. It is from this teaching that we can view life differently. Welcome, Douglas, and thank you again for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Today is part two of our conversation. March 3 was part one. Our topic for March is vision, 
our view of the glass as half full or half empty changes once we realize there's no glass. I'm eager to explore this with you as we approach Holy Week uh, in the Christian calendar. This period of time is pivotal for the devout around the world, and how we view this historically and through the lens of A Course in Miracles are not the same thing. So let's go deeper into our theme of the glass as half full or half empty or not at all by starting with a statement from the Course, which has been attributed to direct channeling through Helen Schuckman, and get your perspective on the other side. The text tells us in Chapter 6, Lessons of Love, Part 1, The Message of the Crucifixion, Line 4 of Paragraph 1 and Paragraph 1. Nothing, quote, nothing, however, can be explained in negative terms only. There is a positive interpretation of the crucifixion that is wholly devoid of fear, and therefore wholly benign in what it teaches, if it is properly understood. Jesus later states in paragraph 2 of that same part of the crucifixion, its value, like the value of any teaching device, lies solely in the kind of learning it facilitates. That's a mouthful there, and um, and I'd like to hear your thoughts where we go with all of that. The uh, its value, like the value of any teaching device, it can be explained beyond the negativity. It's benign in what it teaches. There's a lot of stuff there, Douglas. Yes, there is indeed. Um, the uh, crucifixion, as it is interpreted and understood by what we would call the ego mind or the normal human mind is uh, akin in a way to the question of is the glass half full or half empty in other words it's very relative and it has different com components degrees uh, opposites and all of these uh, kinds of things that the world that we live in is full of, in other words, more specifically, he addresses here the aspect, the fearful aspect, um, that the uh, uh, crucifixion was an incredible act of sacrifice with intense, incredible pain involved on Jesus's part, and that he had to suffer in order to atone for our sins. And that's, that's the ego's interpretation, though. That's the ego's interpretation, okay. of course. Okay. And the basis of it all is that we are sinful, that the world is sinful, that there's evil in the world, there's bad in the world. And in order to undo all of that badness, Jesus suffered. Uh, that's a very prominent way of viewing the uh, crucifixion. And his message is, as I understand it, that the crucifixion as he intended it to be as a message, as a teaching, had absolutely none of these components, none whatsoever. There was nothing negative, nothing about pain, nothing about sacrifice, sin, evil, atonement, any of that stuff. But it was a message that was totally benign and totally positive. Um, that's how I understand what the the quotes that you just uh, referred to tried to explain. How, how did we get it so wrong? Uh, because the, the whole world it came into being, the world of time, space, and form, 
from a place of misperception or misprojection, namely that reality is a dualistic thing. In other words, that we are separate beings of God from God, separate beings from one another, and thereby from God. That is the intention of the whole thing. Uh, why the world is perceived as it is. It's an act of seeing the world as not one and not whole, but as separate. And from that, logically follows that if you have that separateness, you're going to have degrees and differences and opposites and many different kinds of qualities. And therefore, the possibility of something being better than the other and worse, good or bad, quickly comes into play. And that is all a misperception because the world actually, according to the Course in Miracles, but many other spiritual teachings, is not dualistic. It's not manifold and, and multiplistic. It is all one. And that one is divine love. And there is nothing else. So it's a completely different foundation, different thought system. And so the crucifixion, as it was understood, is based on that thought system where fear and scarcity and uh, death uh, are a seeming reality. But in reality, they're not. It takes me to something that I heard uh, some time ago, and maybe this could be a topic we could go a little bit deeper into today, that um, we are not made in God's image we have made God in our image. And because, because we see each other as separate, we are separated from someone else, therefore God must be separated from us. We see what we perceive to be evil, or confusion, in another person, and therefore um, God must be uh, must have an evil component as well. That's where we get this, you know, God punishes us um, message. Uh, we we tend to say, you know, we're going to incur the wrath of God. God does not have wrath. And if we take that message and go more deeply into it, we can understand a core teaching of the Course, which is we don't have wrath either. We only find wrath in ourselves when we are not being who we are, which is an expression exactly. of, of the oneness of God. So we keep going around and around in this circle, don't we? Yes. Absolutely. But beautifully put, Marie, that's, that's, that's exactly it. It's so that's confusing. I, was, I, was, I, I, I might have mentioned it in other conversations with you before and, and I mentioned it to a client yesterday and she, she seemed very confused about what I was saying I said God does not forgive because God does not judge and because judging comes so easily to those of us in this ego world in this egoic existence we think that you know we have made God in our image we're not made in God's image and I think that's a, that's a fundamental hurdle that we need to overcome in, in the way we in the way we see everything, including the crucifixion and the resurrection, um, we we're we're getting real close, believe it or not, to the close of our first segment here. But let me open one more line and see if we can address it before we go. 
Chapter 6, Part 1, Paragraph 2, Line 6 says, I have also told you that the crucifixion was the last useless journey. It represents release from fear to anyone who understands it. That's what we're talking about here, aren't we? Aren't we talking about fear? Exactly. Fear altogether and fear of death specifically. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And fear, and fear, as you have mentioned before in other conversations, fear is not the opposite of love because that gives it a quality. It doesn't. It, it's not. It's not the same. It's. It's the absence. Exactly. That's right. So instead of giving fear the quality of having its own identity, yes. what we really have to do is look at it that it's just the absence of something that's real. Absolutely. Um, it's become very common in in more new age type of or or. You know, newer spiritual uh, circles that, you know, the b- big opposites are love and fear and not love and hate or fear and courage. But what yet many haven't understood is that love and fear cannot be opposites uh, because fear is, our love is all there is and all encompassing. Um, so fear is only the absence of love, as you said. It has no metaphysical reality on its own right, fear. And mm-hmm. see, if, if that were true, if fear had a metaphysical reality, that would be, be part of the world that God had created, which, you know, all, everything that is real comes from God, then God would not be perfect, complete, and whole. He would have a counterpart. He would have something that that is fear, constitutes fear. There's, of course, the idea of Satan or the devil. And that would be a a powerful counterpart to God with whom God wrestles, so to speak. And that is contradictory to the idea that God is complete and perfect and whole. Let's pick that up on the other side of the break because I think so much of this is body-oriented. I think we should talk about that on the other side of the break. Let's do that. You're listening to Timeshare on Voice America's Seventh Wave. Holistic psychotherapist Douglas Economy and I are looking at vision through the lens of A Course in Miracles, specifically the crucifixion and resurrection. And when we come back, we're going to pick up where the body fits in with all of this. Please stay with us. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Marie Jackson is a holistic mentor in the field of metaphysical spirituality. Her practice includes private advising, workshops, and talks. Clients and students are offered tools, guidance, practices, and resources for managing stress and realizing personal power. Marie has a focus on intention and the law of attraction. By staying true to the spirit of who you are in daily living, you can process short and long-term goals, negotiate and hold boundaries, and clarify communication and commitments in work, relationships, and family dynamics. For more information, visit mariejackson.net. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are tuned into Timeshare Living Reality Navigating the Dream. 
To reach Marie Jackson or her guest today, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send an email, her email address is marie at mariejackson.net. Now, back to Timeshare. Welcome back. Thank you for listening. Went to break, Douglas. We were talking about the perfection. God is perfect, complete, and whole, and how we have made God in our image, as opposed to we're being made in God's image. Because if we were made in God's image, then we would be perfect, complete, and whole. And of course, we are. We just don't realize that because we are thinking with our ego instead of with our the spirit of who we are, the holiness of who we are, the perfection of who we are. And all that imperfection that we are living really begins with our physicality, our body. And in my readings of A Course in Miracles and other readings, of course, other teachings that I've heard over the years and some of the studying that I've done on my own, um, part of the crucifixion was this guy has such a radical idea about what life is all about. Only love your neighbor. Love is all there is. God is perfect. All this wonderful stuff that Jesus had preached for so long. That the only way to eradicate him is to eradicate his, is just kill him. But even that um, turns out to be futile. Because even the body, if it can be destroyed, it can't be real either. And and going back to the text, in the same chapter, part um, paragraph 4, it says, Assault can ultimately be made only on the body. Anything that is destructible cannot be real. He goes on to say, The message of the crucifixion was intended to teach that it is not necessary to perceive any form of assault in persecution because you cannot be persecuted. That's a tough one to get. That's a tough one. In this world where we're enduring pain and suffering and madness and, and deceit and all those terrible things, how can we, how can we believe that persecution is not real? Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, in, according to his teachings, and I, I must admit to some degree, I can personally attest to the reality of that statement that namely – we can only feel pain or experience pain or illness um, if we perceive ourselves as being capable of experiencing pain, illness, etc. It is the self-perception, it's the belief we have that we are human beings with a body, in a body, and limited and frail and uh, sick and and can die. And it's all based on that belief that we have this illusion going on that it is all so. But it's a very powerful belief because the mind behind it all is, let's remember, a divine mind. We are extensions of the divine. So our, the, the minds we have at our disposal are, are divine minds and incredibly powerful. Incredibly powerful. So that's why we can we do experience pain and all these things, but only because of the belief we have and the projections of our mind that see a body 
which are, as I say, projections and not not real. There is no body. It's all it's all illusionary. And so, to make that point, and I believe, I, I firmly believe, that Jesus was on the cross, and he did not feel an iota of pain. Maybe I'm taking it a bit too far. He might have felt something. But suffer he certainly did not. And so he was looking down upon everyone and saying, look, guys, here's what I'm showing you. These guys cannot inflict pain on me. They can also not kill me because it's going to be it's going to look like death. But in a few days, I'm going to be back and show you there's no death. And the reason why I'm doing all of this is to show you that you and I are, are identic- identical as children of God. So that is, the, that is the true message. And if people say, well, I mean, the man was crucified. I mean, seriously, this, that, you know, how can you not feel pain? Well, does anybody stop and think for a moment that Tony Robbins has thousands of people walk over hot coals after just a couple of hours of, you know, helping them reformulate their inner belief about pain or who they are. There's countless fakirs and yogis and people who all do all these feats and things that were normally they would be in great tremendous agony, and they're not. Jesus was a master of masters. So uh, how could he have how could he have suffered on the cross? To me, that's just a crazy idea. It's crazy. And and that's was his message, I believe. Um, one of the things, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. It's really hard to get that message, though, because what we're, we're coming up on Holy Week, and right now it's all about the mysticism of it all. And my biggest concern with all of this is that because it seems so um, impossible to believe – Okay, we hung him up on a cross. He died right in front of us, or we thought he did, right in front of us. And we've been listening to the Easter story forever, that it's so difficult to believe that any of it took place. My biggest concern with the general understanding in in our general culture, my biggest concern is because it seems so fantastic to believe that we don't believe anything. We consider it to be some kind of a mystic experience that someone had, and then they recorded it, and then it was repeated over the centuries. Something happened. We might not know exactly what it was relative to the scriptures that we have today, but something happened, and it's worth looking at. It's worth looking at because... Uh, one of the things, one of the things that I read when I was preparing for today, is in this same chapter. Jesus didn't see his crucifixion the way others did. He says, "You are free to perceive yourself as persecuted if you choose. When you do choose to react that way, however, you might remember that I was persecuted as the world judges, and did not share this evaluation for myself. And because I did not share it." I did not strengthen it. So when we hear this story, or when we hear these beliefs, or when we get these teachings year after year after year, we're really in strengthening them. Instead yes. of undoing them, we sh- we're strengthening them. 
Absolutely. And if we're strengthening something that's not true, it takes us farther and farther away from the truth. And then we shut down altogether. And we don't yes. explore it at all. And, and I think we do ourselves a disservice that way. Tremendous disservice. Tremendous. I mean, the message, by and large, got lost. Um, you know, uh, he did not see himself as persecuted at all because he understood and experienced himself as a divine being to be absolutely uh, immune. Um, you know, he could not feel pain, he could not be persecuted, he could not be judged or any of that stuff. And he also explains in that chapter six that he chose because you could ask yourself why why did he choose you know the probably the worst kind of death imaginable uh you know to be put on the cross why did he do that and he explains it he says i picked an extreme example only to show that there are no extremes in other words you would think, well, you know, if, if, if it's it would be a minor punishment, then you know, it wouldn't be the pain wouldn't be as much. And his whole point is that's the first principle in the miracles. In the, it's of course you, you, miracles. You read my mind. Go right ahead. You read my mind. The first principle. Yep. The Go first ahead. principle, there is no degree. There's no um, order of difficulty. Yep. No order of difficulty. Um so Pain is pain. Either either we are capable of pain or we're not. And if we're not capable of pain, then this, the, the degree of pain is just as much as an illusion as the pain itself. So he said, look, I'm taking an extreme example here. I want you all to follow me. I want you all to not accept, as I'm not accepting persecution for myself, because I understand myself as a creation of God, the way he created me, as as an extension of himself, and I want you to do the same. But as you follow my example, don't by don't by you know, a long shot think you need to do anything as extreme. Just use a, a very simple little thing as somebody coming by and telling you you're an idiot or something. That's that's all it takes. Why? Because it's exactly the same. If somebody calls me an idiot or I get crucified, his message is, it's the exact same. There's no difference. Why? Mm -hmm. Because it is all not real. None of it is true. None, None of, of it applies. None of it is real. We're uh, almost up on a break here. And when we come back, um, I'm going to want to talk about... Um, about this subject a little bit more. And one of the things I really would like to loop back to that something that we started to touch on in our last conversation about this topic, about how we see things, um, and that is the uh, the laws of chaos. I love that section, chapter 23, section 2, the laws of chaos. And um, how they apply to this particular topic, okay? Um, the first one is that truth is different for everyone how I hear what you're telling me about what I see and how somebody else is hearing it uh, can be different as well. So I think we need, I would really like to talk about that relative to how we are perceived by others, um, how we perceive ourselves relative to others, 
And what is the truth in that? Where, where do we draw the line on what the truth is? So uh, let's pick that up on the other side of a break. Um, you're tuned into Timeshare on Voice America's Seventh Wave. I am Marie Jackson, and with me today is Timeshare's regular first and third Thursday contributor, holistic psychotherapist, Douglas Economy. In the minute or two that we're gone, you can take a look at our websites, mariejackson.net and douglaseconomy.com. Our conversation will continue when we come back. Please stay with us. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Marie Jackson is a holistic mentor in the field of metaphysical spirituality. Her practice includes private advising, workshops, and talks. Clients and students are offered tools, guidance, practices, and resources for managing stress and realizing personal power. Marie has a focus on intention and the law of attraction. By staying true to the spirit of who you are in daily living, you can process short and long-term goals, negotiate and hold boundaries, and clarify communication and commitments in work, relationships, and family dynamics. For more information, visit mariejackson.net. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned into Timeshare, Living Reality, Navigating the Dream. To reach Marie Jackson or her guest today, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send an email, her email address is marie at mariejackson.net. Now, back to Timeshare. Welcome back. I'm Marie Jackson, and I'm here today with holistic psychotherapist Douglas Economy, and we're talking about how A Course in Miracles helps us to see things differently. The Course doesn't give us solutions to the human condition. It just asks us to see the human condition in a different way, and in seeing it differently, we can transcend it. And as we are coming up on Holy Week, the holiest time in the Christian calendar, We are seeing the crucifixion and the resurrection. We're going to get into the resurrection a bit more in a different way. Before we went to break, we were talking about persecution and how we perceive our own persecutions from others and how there is no order of difficulty in in what truth is. Um, Paragraph 6, line 4 of the same chapter that we've been talking about is rather teach your own perfect immunity which is the truth in you and realize that it cannot be assailed that if we could just live that one line man we could live with peace for eternity right there our perfect immunity which is the truth in you and realize it cannot be assailed but that takes me to chapter 23 section 2 the laws of chaos i really want to talk about this the first and the fourth apply in my view to our topic and maybe the other three but but let's get started with those two the first is that truth and we were just talking about truth being our perfect immunity the truth is different for everyone 
The truth is different for everyone. If truth is truth and we are all immune and our bodies are not real and pain is not real, then, then why do we all have a different interpretation of what truth is? I mean, he says truth is different for everyone. Well, let's, let's make very clear. He says that is a law of chaos, namely that's how the ego believes. He, of course, his teaching is there is no, no truth for everyone or different truths. There is only one truth, truth. And the ego, of course, sees multiple truths because it does. It, the ego cannot see the truth, the truth. Uh, and that, that's why your example of, of the first and uh, third or fourth law of the, um, uh, um, the laws of chaos. Laws of chaos are perfect examples for our topic because the whole thing about the glass being half full or half empty is a symbol for the fact that it's all relative. And, you know, the reality as we see it in time, space, and form is relative because it is all subject to our each and individual interpretation to give it any meaning. It has no inherent meaning in and of itself. It doesn't supply that. We have to give everything its meaning. Why? Because it's not real. God did not create it. It's not out there. So we have to supply the meaning for everything. And since we each and every one have to do that for whatever we see, of course it's going to be relative. You're going to see the glass, you know, two-thirds empty, and I'll have it three-quarters or full, whatever. And so you have this idea of multiple truths, which is, of course, ridiculous. It's, it, it, it contradicts the, the definition of what truth is. Well, let, let, me, let me labor an obvious point here, okay? Am I not listening to you through my ego? <laughs> Am I not using my ego right now to understand that my ego doesn't exist. My body doesn't exist. Aren't I? Uh, uh, my brain is hurting trying to get to that. Um, l- l- yeah, luckily, Marie, um, you, you're not. You're not. Oh, okay. Oh, help me um, with it then, please. The, the one, the part of you, the aspect of you that's listening and ha- holding this conversation is what Jesus... Um, uh, implies throughout the book all the time when he speaks of you, addressing the the reader, but never really defines it clearly. Mm-hmm. And that is the uh, accomplishment of Ken Wapnick, one of the great scholars of yeah. the course, yeah. that he coined it as the decision maker. So there's really, so to speak, three parts to us. There's the, the ego, the decision maker, and our spirit reality. And as long as there is ego, uh, we need, luckily, very fortunately, there's another aspect in our consciousness that has the capacity to self-observe, to be aware, self-aware. That is a very central concept of Buddhism, that, that awareness. And that is the crucial piece. If we didn't have that in our consciousness, in our mind, then we'd be lost forever because the ego cannot introspect in that way, the way we're doing now. So 
we're speaking largely from that place of the decision maker. Yeah, the where decision we're maker, yeah. Okay, okay. Aware of the ego and understanding, learning to understand spirit, seeing the difference, and then finally making a choice. And once we make that choice, that is really the atonement, as he calls it. Mm -hmm. That's that act of that moment when we transcend the ego. And in that moment when the transcendence happens, it's complete, mm -hmm. and God takes the, the famous last step, both the ego and the decision maker disappear. Because he's no longer needed a decision maker any then, anymore. Because all that's left of us is that what we've always been and always will be. And that is our spirit reality as an extension of the divine. And that takes us to the beginning of our conversation of this segment about the body. Yes. Because once the body is gone, we're still here. We're just not we're, here in that form that we recognize, and the form that we recognize is the ego. And the ego is seated in the body. Am I, do I have that right? You have it right, but yet, and? Continue. We find out very clearly that the ego, the body, of course, never existed. It it. It doesn't then disappear. Mm -hmm. It yes, it disappears, but it disappears from our sight, but not in reality because and, and it never existed. Thank, thank you for opening that up because that's one thing that, that I wanted to continue um, an, an extension of because this is part of the studying that I'm doing. It has to do with quantum physics. If you remember, I quoted earlier about um, when Jesus had said, you might remember that I was persecuted as the world judges and did not share this evaluation for myself. And because I did not share it, I did not strengthen it. That's a quantum physics teaching. Yes. That when we observe something, we strengthen yes. it. Yes. We strengthen it and we, and we perpetuate it. Yes. And, and we alter it. Yes. So he even, he even had us bumping up against quantum physics with what he's telling us here. He was no dummy, or he, he is no, no dummy. He is he no is. dummy, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Very Quantum important. physics is, is so fascinating because it is. it shows scientifically that science is off the beaten path. Uh, yeah, you know. yeah. Well, and we're beginning. We're, we're we're beginning to catch up to the sages. It's just taking us a little bit longer. Taking us a while. It's taking us a while. I think. Yeah. yeah. Actually, that's a, a whole other topic because I think technology is slowing us down. A hundred centuries ago, when we didn't have this kind of technology, we had to rely on our intuition, on our spiritual knowledge, on on our mysticisms, and on our mystic teachers who have already experienced some of this stuff. Now. We're in this age of technology and science and proof, and you know, if it doesn't fit the five senses, then it doesn't exist, and therefore, it's not real. But we got yes. it backwards. <laughs> yes. But we, re we really do have it backwards. Before we go too, too much farther, I really want to start to touch on, um, on the resurrection. Um, we talked a bit about the crucifixion, but I really want to talk about the resurrection. And in paragraph seven, also same chapter, your resurrection is your reawakening I love that. Your resurrection is your reawakening, he tells us. And in a Buddhist teaching, we're told to die before we die. And that's, and I'm, I, I don't know if I'm conflating the two, but I'm understanding die before you die, meaning die to this understanding of what life is. So that when your body dies, it's not such a big deal because you have already been rebirthed, reborn, resurrected into the truth of what is. Am I, do I have that right? Yes, I think you have it t totally right. Um, I personally would not choose that vocabulary. 
Okay. Because, well, because death inevitably connotes something. It has a vibration to it that kind of is counterproductive to the to the whole idea. That's why I like much better, you know, our res- resurrection or the, the resurrection is a symbol for all of our reawakening. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same exact same idea uh, because in, in order to reawaken, I have to let go of that which was asleep. And the Buddhists say that letting go is dying. But I rather use the word "let go" and not "die." But that's, I'm just being well. You know, you're wordsmithing here, and that's okay because I, I like to wordsmith. And I'm going to ask you to take it a little bit further. Uh, your resurrection is your reawakening. Is it your reawakening or just awakening? Thank you. Good point. Of course, it's reawakening because we were actually never asleep. Actually, now this sounds crazy, but you see. That which seemingly is now asleep, that ego, that ego mind that is running the show, is running our consciousness presently, um, is just an interim phase of where a part of our true mind, our complete mind, is in this illusion of a dream of a of sleep. But it's the sleep itself is illusionary. The act of it is illusionary. And it's a transient happening of only a part of our mind. The 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 other part, and that parts of here, of course, are meant symbolically because in reality there are no parts. But we have <laughs> other way to speak of it. Um, but we have to remember this is very crucial that the true essence, the spirit reality of you and me and all of us as one. It always has been, you can call it heaven or nirvana or God's reality, divine reality of eternal bliss and joy and love, always have been there, always will be there, and never left. There's only an, There was an interim phase that we're still in where there's this the illusion of not being there. And that's why reawakening is appropriate because we were never really asleep. Okay, I need to work on that one a little bit more. Um, I need to work on that one a little bit more. Uh, We're coming up on a break, though, so let's take our final break here uh, so that we can talk about the practical applications of what we're learning today. Um, Because I go through this every year, Douglas, how do I celebrate Easter? I think the whole message of the crucifixion and the resurrection, the mysticism of it all, the message for A Course in Miracles is just so beautiful and so perfect, but it bears no resemblance to what really is taking place in our culture and in our societies and our families. Um, And I would really like to talk about how do we apply what we're learning uh, to the the uh, to the day itself, to that period itself. How do we see Good Friday? How do we see Holy Saturday? How do we see Easter? Things like that. So let's take our final break. You're listening to Timeshare on Voice America Seventh Wave with me, Marie Jackson, and regular first and third Thursday contributor Douglas Economy. We're talking about vision and a course in miracles. You can call in with your comments or questions at eight six six four seven two five seven nine five. Please stay with us. We'll be right back.
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Marie Jackson is a holistic mentor in the field of metaphysical spirituality. Her practice includes private advising, workshops, and talks. Clients and students are offered tools, guidance, practices, and resources for managing stress and realizing personal power. Marie has a focus on intention and the law of attraction. By staying true to the spirit of who you are in daily living, you can process short and long-term goals, negotiate and hold boundaries, and clarify communication and commitments in work, relationships, and family dynamics. For more information, visit mariejackson.net. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned into Timeshare, Living Reality, Navigating the Dream. To reach Marie Jackson or her guest today, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send an email, her email address is marie at mariejackson.net. Now, back to Timeshare. Welcome back. Thank you for listening in. Douglas, before we went to break, we were talking about um, how to see this crucifixion and resurrection and mostly the resurrection and are we awake or are we asleep? It just gets to be so complex in my own mind. And I've been studying this and, you know, I'm I'm certainly no genius, but um, I have a hard time getting my brain around it, around a lot of the teaching. But it takes me to a particular... Um, a particular line out of that wonderful chapter that we've been studying today, chapter six, um, part one, the crucifixion. Paragraph five, line one says, our fundamental equality, our fundamental equality can be demonstrated only through joint decision. That is so beautiful to me. Joint decision, you and I and everybody else, we all have to decide to be awake to what the yeah. truth is, to be awake to what the truth is, we have to decide. We have to make that. We have to make that leap. We have to make that a conscious decision. So, as we approach that very holy weekend, the Friday, the Good Friday, the Holy Saturday, then the, the resurrection on Sunday, which of of course is is just you know part of the Christian calendar that we put it on the Christian calendar. Then, um, how are we supposed to see it? If we can't come to the fundamental equality, if we, we're, all, we're seeing this differently, how do we apply what we learned today to that beautiful weekend? How do we do that? Well, uh, for one thing, I, I want to point out that, that the way I understand that quote is that our fundamental um, sameness or equality and the joint decision, he means all of us, but himself, Jesus himself, of course, as well. And this is his teaching or his message to us. He says, look, guys, I made this choice 
about not seeing myself as persecuted, as seeing myself as absolutely invulnerable and invincible because of how God created me. And therefore, you know, I'm demonstrating to you the reality of, about me, but it's actually a demonstration also of a reality about you. About all of us, yeah. All of us. And but, and that, though, however, requires a decision on your part. For me to show to you and tell you guys all, mm -hmm. this is your reality, isn't going to do the trick. What's going to do the trick is you to choose for yourself that reality. And only by making that choice mm -hmm. very consequentially and very diligently, and it, it's not just for one moment or the next, this takes time. The awakening process is a, is a process, it's, it takes time. And bit by bit we awaken, reawaken to the reality of who we are. And as, as Easter comes along, I personally um, always find a moment where um, I just feel unspeakable gratitude, one, to mm -hmm. Jesus for the teaching that he has provided to me and allowed me to understand. And, of course, with that, an unspeakable gratitude I have for God of how he did create me about the for the reality that he created and that he has nothing to do with this world and nothing didn't didn't produce this kind of world um, and so Easter for me has a huge amount to do with a gratitude and secondly gratitude also for the opportunity that Jesus calls on us or calls on me now to make that decision with him jointly. And how do I do that or how I recommend to do that for anyone? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We can do it in many ways. It's, it's, there's, there's a bunch of different ways we can express that. But maybe the simplest form, the simplest way to express it is by using the, the line that in chapter 6, in after um, or in in paragraph thirteen, teach only love, for that is what you are. For that is what you are. Yeah. So the choice, the decision, is for me to embrace the fact that I am love. I'm not a being who loves, because that implies the possibility of not loving. If you we see it as a verb, as an activity. But if we understand that our beingness, the essence of what we are, is love, mm -hmm. then that changes everything. It changes absolutely everything because mm -hmm. it changes the, the self-perception of the ego completely or it just throws it right out the window. Mm -hmm. And with that self-understanding, I see myself as that what God created. And with that, I can make that choice also about persecution or not persecution, about my invincibility or not. Because if I am love and I'm in that experience, the embrace of that love, if I'm vibrating that love, I cannot feel fear. Fear cannot enter my consciousness or awareness. And that is exactly, I think, was what Jesus is calling us to do. 
And the only way that that can be, that fundamental equality can be demonstrated is through joint decision. Exactly. And, and what, I, what I run into a lot, and it's really tough for me because I, <laughs> I don't know where to begin. Um, when somebody says, so how are you celebrating Easter? I think, um, well, you know, we can get together with family and friends and have dinner and, and, uh, and have an Easter egg hunt. Um, or we can have a real conversation about what it is. And probably what we end up with is something in between. You know, we have the we have the social conversation, and then we have the uh, and then we have the uh, the the spiritual conversation. But it but I think it's a necessary conversation. And I think we make a mistake when we either don't have the conversation at all because we're concerned about what somebody else is going to think. Or we're going to come into a conflict because you think one way, I think another way, and you know somehow we can't meet in the middle. So I think um, we're, we're, we're coming to the close of our conversation today, coming to the close of our broadcast today, and maybe that's the last thought that we need to leave with our listeners. That even though we have different ways of seeing this crucifixion and resurrection, glass is half full, half empty, and there's no glass anyway, it's important to have the conversation. It's important to be willing to stay open to having the conversation. Your thoughts, Douglas? Uh, absolutely. Uh, the The only way we can um, accomplish what he calls the atonement, that, that transcending of our ego, re-entering our divine reality with God, that's the process, that's the, the task at hand. And we can only do that by sharing with others, by sharing our insights and our understanding, but through the sharing also to receive insight and understanding from others. Because as he says, it's a joint decision we have to make. It's a joint process. Uh, A a nice phrase I love to use a lot is my brother, and with that I mean all, all brothers in the world. My brother is my key to heaven. I cannot go there without him. Why? Because we are one. So I only, only in the realization um, yeah. and the embrace of the reality that I'm one with all, that I could ever re-enter heaven uh, in the way that, that Jesus suggests we do. I think that's a beautiful way to close this segment of, uh, of our show. Thank you, Douglas. Thank you so much for being with us and helping us to understand A Course in Miracles a bit more. You will be with us April 7 and April 14. Our theme for April is simplicity doesn't bring scarcity, it brings wealth. The Course's message is one of simplicity, but applying it in our ego world isn't so simple. Uh, please tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you to pursue this conversation or start others with you and learn more about the work you do and what you offer. Yes, well, the easiest way is to just go to my website, which is douglaseconomy.com. Very easy, and all the information anybody would need to get in touch with me or find a little bit more about what I do and who I am and all this stuff uh, is right there. Excellent. Thank you.
You've been listening to Timeshare with me, Marie Jackson, your host. I am a holistic mentor in the field of metaphysical spirituality. I help people to manage stress, achieve goals, and realize personal power in daily living by staying true to the spirit of who they are in work, relationships, and family dynamics. I focus on intention and the law of attraction for developing spiritual practices to help clients and students apply tools and methods for holding boundaries, forming inner dialogue, and communicating clearly. Thank you for sharing this time with us today. Next Thursday, March 24, my regular second, uh, my regular fourth Thursday contributor will be classically trained pianist Paul Armitage, who brings a deep metaphysical approach to our March theme of vision. I hope you'll listen in and join in the conversation. In the meantime, I wish you ease in living your wholeness. Thank you for tuning in to Timeshare, living reality, navigating the dream. Please join your host, Marie Jackson, again next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, as she brings you another thought-provoking show on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have a great week.